This is your captain speaking. Welcome to another episode of DJ's Aviation Podcast. All systems are go, so lean back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy the show. This is DJ's Aviation Podcast. Everything aviation. Everything aviation. Aviation news, airline developments, analyzing route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news, and we talk about world events and life. DJ's Aviation has a Discord server that's officially partnered with Discord, and you can join with a link in the show notes or using the vanity URL discord.gg slash aviation. This is the DJ's Aviation Podcast, and now your host, Dan. Good afternoon, good morning to whenever you may be listening to another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Today, as promised last week, we're continuing on with the adventure in Canada on board Air Canada aircraft. Now, the previous episode, I covered my flight on their A319 product from Vancouver through to Calgary, that being on board the Airbus A319. It was my first flight on the A319, and it was a very good experience. But without getting into too much detail with regards to that, I did thought I would mention that you can go back and listen to this podcast on any streaming platform of your choosing. So if you'd like to head over to Spotify, you're more than welcome to do so. Do be sure, though, to drop the podcast a follow and give it a review if you do enjoy it. Any follow and review really doesn't help the podcast grow and while this is honestly just a podcast i do for fun naturally seeing people enjoy it and tune in is more than a welcomed sight today's episode covers the events from landing in calgary to my flight to montreal and it was a very very lovely experience it definitely had some twists and turns early on that provided it probably to be one of the more stressful lead-ups to a flight that I've ever experienced, and we'll be getting into that very shortly. I thought I'd mention I've been having some major problems the past week or so regarding copyright claims. I'm not sure if you've noticed, there's been a couple of uh, new aviation channels emerging, all very oddly enough the exact same thing. So, um, I mean, a lot of people have said they think it's literally my content, uh, and it's not hard to see why. Uh, which is, there's no problem with that specifically. The, the problem is, is that a lot of my footage is being ripped onto these channels uh, with no credit, no permission whatsoever. So naturally, I've been going about taking down these videos um, and then the channel, because every single video has content of mine stripped throughout, that's been distorted just enough to uh, not have content ID match up with it, which if you didn't know, YouTube has a built-in content ID matching system. I'm not sure if it is channel-wide. Originally, it was for uh, channels with over 100k that had the ability to use it, but that may have changed now. Essentially, it will match automatically content you've uploaded with re-uploaded content that it matches the ID with, and then you can go about taking down that content. However, there are ways to work around that, whether you're using five seconds of it or you're distorting the framing enough so it can't match, and this is what these channels have been doing. Um, It's been a nightmare. I managed to get every single video taken down and am now being counterclaimed. Uh, Apparently, I'm harassing the people uh, and bullying them, cyberbullying them, pardon me, purely because I'm asking them and saying, can you please, not even please, just like I'm going to take your channel down. Do you know what I mean? It's, I don't, and and honestly, to begin with, it's not even just my footage being um, clipped. I'm just the one that is doing the reporting of it. There's many other aviation spotters that you probably know on YouTube that are having their footage appear here unwillingly. And yeah, 
So now I'm dealing with counterclaims that essentially I can't do anything about. And that's YouTube in a nutshell for you. I can't do anything now because essentially, unless I do a court order and a lawsuit, which do you think I'm really going to be able to do that? It's just a system that is set up to fail. Fail. I mean, some of the counterclaims, without getting too much into it, literally claim that the content that I filmed are their, this channel's own content, and they've then sourced a link that goes directly to my Facebook page. That's their evidence. And at some points, they don't even have the evidence. But how YouTube works is, no, just because they've launched a counterclaim, which you can have no basis on, that's enough for the counterclaim to go through and they have to go to court. It's It's absolutely ridiculous. So motivation has been at a complete low, um, and this has been incredibly frustrating to have to deal with. I mean, it was like a, a multiple day process to just try and get these these videos down and simply getting 10 counterclaims with the exact same copy and paste message that is all inaccurate um, is utterly ridiculous. So very, very, very frustrating, um, especially because it negatively impacts the channel. Um, it's just, it's it's so... You almost have to sometimes sit there and think, what is the actual point? Do you know what I mean? Um, I've already come out openly and said I don't enjoy anymore making content. And you deal with things like this and it's just, it gets me closer and closer to just not wanting to do this anymore. Um, but that's a story for another day. And that's not why you're here. You're here to hear about the Air Canada 777 experience. Uh, so yes, uh, setting off from where we left the last episode, I arrived into Calgary and the problem was I arrived about five minutes before my uh, next flight was going to be leaving and I had no idea how long it would take me to get to the gate, whether boarding had already been shut, whether they were pushing back, let alone if my bag was going to make it on board the Air Canada flight. Um, so all of those were very much an experience. What I can say is I made it somehow. I don't know how, but uh, we ran across the entire airport full speed with our luggage. I was exhausted. At this point, I'd been traveling for close to 24 hours already, so I didn't have a whole lot of energy. And I feel like there's nothing you don't. It's not pleasant running running through an airport with your luggage. Mine's a two wheeler, so it was a little bit harder to run as well. Um, a four wheeler, I feel like it, you can drag it along with you, but a two wheeler, it's like oh. Um, and I guess that's the evolution of suitcases for you in a nutshell. But we were the last ones on the plane. We made it on the plane. They were like screaming at us to hurry up. I'm like, okay, we're coming. I couldn't control my inbound flight. Um, it's not like I rocked up late to the airport and was like, oh yeah, whatever. I literally couldn't control it. But uh, made it onto the plane. They shut the door. And then we just didn't go for another like 20 minutes. Uh, that was because... Uh, Somehow my my bag made it on the plane, but I think cargo had not been loaded on. So while they needed to get us on board, there was some stuff that had not been loaded on. Uh, I don't know, but the door closed with a lot, literally the last on board. They're about to shut the gate. Um, final call to give you an idea had actually ended. So like there was no more final call. It had basically gate closed, but they were holding out hope that would make it. So just very lucky that I made the flight. Um, by the time I made it on, I was absolutely exhausted. And um, naturally, I did want to do a flight review on board. This was like my main flight that I really wanted to do a flight review on because it's on board the Boeing 777. It's a fully life flat seat for four hours. I felt like it had a lot of value to it. And I wanted to start the experience off in Calgary Airport and give you an idea of what Calgary was like. I couldn't do that. I was just not able to. As I said, I was running across the airport. I did manage to film boarding, but it was shaky. It was no, It's probably not great footage. Um, that's just from pure exhaustion, as we were probably running across the airport for like five, ten minutes. Um, and I was just not in a position to be like, okay, let me now just like, oh, get my gorilla pot out and start filming. Especially being last on the plane, I didn't really want to hold him up any further. I felt bad enough. Um, 
pardon me for the sound, I felt bad enough, even though it wasn't necessarily my fault for doing so. Uh, so yeah, made it on, walked past my seat because I didn't even realize what door I'd entered the plane. So I basically walked right past my seat and then was like, oh, am I not in business class now? But no, I walked past it. So I had to turn around and then I had my uh, little cubicle. Very, very nice seat. Um, then again, some people don't like these seats. Some people are a lot more critical on cabin products. Um, so I just feel like, do you know what I mean? This is one of the newer business class seats, the newest version, I believe, for Air Canada. So it's like their, their latest product. It definitely has its positives as a business class seat. It definitely had a few negatives. Um, it was a bit of a weird placement. They're, they're the ones that uh, face inwards to the cabin. There's no door or anything. Um, I found it a little bit weird to get in and out of. Uh, I think that's what I preferred about the Qantas product. The Qantas product didn't have as much privacy, which is probably one of the downsides of their business class, at least the one on the 330, 787, and is being uh, fitted to their aircraft that, you know, that fly long range. Um, but I liked how easy it, the accessibility of it, whereas I felt with the Air Canada one, it was a bit more, it was a bit weirder. That being said, I really, really liked it with all that. I thought the features were really good. It definitely felt... Um, sleeker than the Qantas product. Uh, it was just probably the accessibility was maybe the only downside. Uh, and that being said, you can't, it sounds so silly to be even saying that when I usually fly economy and, you know, the accessibility and economy, if there are two people in the middle of an aisle seat, well, that's just, that's just absolutely nothing. Um, so yes, uh, I thought there were positives and downsides. I have not flown enough business class seats. To, this was actually the, the third business class seat I'd been on in my entire life. So I have not like experienced enough cabin products to tell you, oh, the Finnair product is better or the American Airlines one is better. I don't really know. And I feel like you need to actually experience it to understand the pros and cons. So I can really only compare and contrast it to Qantas's cabin product. And like I said, access accessibility definitely had Qantas winning. But as for probably the sleekness of the cabin, the IFE just the the product overall it had to be air canada by a country mile um definitely like i've i put on my notes it was more modern and the seat was very very comfortable that's another thing um i really thought the seat was nice i mean i was only there for 4 hours so i wasn't necessarily getting to experience the full uh business class experience if you will of a 15 hour long haul flight that's a bit too pricey i'm not going to lie to you um as I should just mention, the only way I got business class was I did the pay to upgrade and I just picked the minimum amount and somehow got accepted. I think it was something like 250 the minimum amount. And you can imagine how much a business class stock standard ticket is. It's in the thousands and thousands upon thousands and thousands. So for like a 250 300 upgrade, I was like, I'll bid. They're not going to take the money from me unless I get accepted. And then I still had the opportunity to decline the upgrade. So it was just the kind of thing of like, well, I'm not losing the money. Uh, we'll see what happens. And I got accepted. And I was like, I'm just going to go with it. Hopefully it's a good experience. And it, and it really was. Um, throughout the duration of the flight, it was mainly just a, a food tasting fest. As an example, we were served uh, an entree, a main and a dessert. So on a four hour flight, I think we only had maybe an hour and a, maybe an hour and 45 where food wasn't being served. Um for the most part, though, it was your meals were coming through and there was in-cabin service, in including on top of that, there was the drinks. Um, so by the time I got into Montreal, I was absolutely stuffed <laughs> because I'd been eating quite a lot. Not necessarily the food I wanted to eat. Like I wanted to grab a meal at the airports, um, but that wasn't possible because as you've heard throughout this experience, it's been so uh, rapid and shock a block at just running from gate to gate. That that's just I couldn't do that. So mainly I had to resort to the meals on the plane. 
honestly, though, really nice. I really did enjoy the meal on the Air Canada 777 and this particular uh, food service they were doing. I don't think in terms of, like, taste, it beat the A319 business to Calgary, um, but presentation was definitely a class above, um, if you can say that. That being said, I don't care about presentation. That's just my own personal thing. I don't care about presentation. Uh, there are a lot of people that will, obviously, if they're flying business class, you know, they may want something nicely presented. I just want it to, like, taste good. At the end of the day, uh, I've, that's probably because of how I've grown up. I've never been big on presenting. It's food. It's going to end up inside me anyway. It doesn't matter if the, the peas are mushed with the corn or whatever it may be. It really doesn't matter to me. As long as I enjoy it, then I'm happy. And I did enjoy it, and I thought it was really, really good. But seeming this has to be a flight review, I sort of have to mention that it was presented nicely. Whereas the 319's business was a bit, I guess you can say, all over the place. That being said, I enjoyed that meal more. Uh, I believe the entree was, I would have to go through, do I actually have my cellular device, if you will, on me? And I believe I do. So I will have that. I'm now going to go through my um, library. If I scroll up, I should be able to find what was served on board the 777. In fact, I might even be able to read you the menu. Here we go. So this is the the menu. So appetizer, Hot smoked salmon, finger licking potato and vegetable salad served with fresh seasonal green salad and warm bread. This was really nice. I did honestly enjoy that quite a lot. Uh, that was the appetizer. For the main course, we had many different options. There were actually four options, which for a four-hour flight was um, a shock to me. I don't know if that's stock standard. Like I said, I don't fly business class, so uh, wouldn't have a clue, but it was pretty cool. So there was chicken breast, barbecue sauce, cornbread, corn, red bell pepper, black beans and zucchini. Then the next one was salmon, creamy pesto sauce, pasta, tomato, mixed vegetables, a beef tenderloin with sauce, finger-licking potatoes and green bean, or a vegetarian couscous, curry sauce, sweet potatoes, zucchini, fennel, kale, red bell peppers. And I went for, let me just go and have a look, um, I went for the chicken dish as my main one. So that was, just to confirm for you, that was the chicken breast barbecue sauce, cornbread, corn, red bell pepper, black beans, and zucchini. And um, the way it was presented was almost a... Chicken is the base, then you've got the sauce, and then you've got like the corn and everything mushed together as a bit of a topping, and then you had the cornbread to the right. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Honestly, the entree was more filling. There was more to the entree than the main course, which I found weird. I was a bit confused um, whether or not I had it. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know whether I had the entree at the wrong time. I was I was so confused, but no, the main was absolutely ravishing, but it was less of a portion than the to my knowledge, less of a portion than the entree. So that confused me a little bit. As for dessert, well, there was a brownie with caramel and pecans and fresh seasonal fruit. So I just went with the fresh seasonal fruit because I wasn't going to risk potentially there being peanuts and they couldn't confirm to me that there may not be something in there. So yeah, I didn't I didn't go for that option. Uh, the fresh seasonal fruit was good. Uh, that being said, in comparison to the fresh seasonal fruit of the uh, other flight on the 319, that was probably the nicest fresh seasonal fruit I've honestly had. Um, I couldn't believe how good it was, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I was I was honestly shocked myself. Um, it was like the perfect combination of fresh seasonal fruit. But that being said, can you really go wrong with it? I don't, I don't believe you can truly go wrong with um, seasonal fruit. I think it's always very, very nice. Uh, I was seated in, let's see, I'm trying to remember what I was in. I think I was in 9K. So for anyone that is wanting to like book in the future, they can know specifically 
what seat I was in. I'm just trying to confirm that. Yeah, 9K. So on the right-hand side of the aircraft, just in front of the engine, it gives you superb views of the GE90 engine. So I would highly recommend it if that's what you're interested in. You could probably even push back to 10K or go 9A and 9 uh, and 10A, pardon me. Um, but you truly can't go wrong with that seat. Great views of the engine for landing, departure, um, all of that jazz, even just cruising. It's it's truly very, very good. And um, I would I would highly recommend it to anyone. Um, just trying to think what else in the early stages. I should mention that the USB port was not working. So this was the second flight now in a row on board Air Canada where the USB function just wasn't, it wasn't working. Um, I couldn't charge any of my devices, so I had to use my battery pack. There's nothing wrong with that, but I would just say it's a bit of an inconvenience flying long haul if the USB isn't working. Because if I did not have the... Um, if I didn't have the... How do I put it? My portable charger, then, well, I wouldn't be able to charge my device. It'd probably run dead. So that's why I would always recommend if you're uh, traveling anywhere, carry carry with you a portable charger, no matter where it is. If you're flying seven hours or 30 hours, carry a portable charger. Um, because even on a brand new aircraft, sometimes things do not work. And uh, these two flights, the USB was not working. So I didn't have the chance to charge my device at any point. Luckily, though, I had that portable charger. Um, I found that odd. I feel like in this day and age, US, I mean, maybe it was just my seat that wasn't working. Um I don't know if it was cabin wide. I didn't see anyone else charging their devices, but there was definitely an issue at my seat. Um, so just just a frustrating uh, thing to have to deal with, but that's first world problems. I can't charge my iPhone. Um, but on the grand scheme of things, it is something that important is important whether you're flying business first economy anywhere. Um, if you're going to be going somewhere you don't know to a foreign location, you do need uh, your phone to be able to maneuver around. And if that's dead because you weren't able to charge it, say, throughout the 16 hours... Um, it can be a bit of a pickle you're in. So yeah, just always bring a portable charger and you'll definitely be better off in that sense. Uh, I've written down as another point storage space. Um, I had quite a fair bit of storage space on board this aircraft, but it was still not as much as Qantas. Um, that being said, Qantas probably had too much storage space, but I guess that's just something I'm comparing that if you're going to fly 15 hours Air Canada or Qantas and you would like storage space, then you are more likely than not better off going with Qantas um, because of the storage that is made available to you. Uh, Air Canada, though, had storage in some unique places uh, towards my ankles. There was storage also against my thighs. There was a couple of compartments where you could put stuff in. You had like a almost like a little raised desk, but it wasn't it wasn't great positioning. Uh, whereas Qantas has like either on your left or right, almost like a little table, which are, you've probably seen pictures of. Uh, and if not, you can just type in while listening Qantas like seven eight seven business class, and you'll see that the seat is positioned where a seat would be, and then on either side, depending on the configuration and where you're located in the cabin you will have almost like a return uh, and then the tray table comes out from the return and it becomes like an extension. I really like that's something I'd mentioned about Air Canada though. I really, really did like the tray table. Um, I thought it was, I mean, I didn't know how to open it. Let's just, let's just put that out there. I didn't know how to open it for a solid like 20 minutes uh, because I didn't understand. And that was, that epitomized uh, me not knowing what to do in business class because I had no idea how to open this tray. Um, in saying that, I finally worked it out. 
I don't know how I worked it out, but I just did. And uh, I've really liked the tray table. The tray table was huge, in fact, like really, really big. Um, and that's just something I really liked about the experience as well. I thought it made it very easy to eat. It made it very easy if I wanted to use any sort of device. Um, if you're going to do work or whatever it may be, it was brilliant. Um, but that being said, Qantas's um, tray table was also pretty decent. But I think Air Canada's was a bit more practical in terms of adjustment. You could raise its height, lower its height. Um, like most every single tray table, you can move it forward or move it back. So definitely had its pros there, and I thought it was a great experience. Um, overall, a really, really nice flight. No complaints. The staff and crew were absolutely lovely in dealing with me. Uh, then again, I didn't have any issues really on any other flights, but naturally when you're in business, I feel like you interact with the cabin more, unless you are a chatty person and will openly go and talk to the um, the cabin crew frequently, which is not me. Usually I just won't speak to anyone. Uh, but I feel like you sort of have to in business class. Um, otherwise, it can be perceived as you being rude. Uh, so a lovely flight. Definitely one of the more comfortable ones, purely. Um, it was just nice to be in uh, business class for four hours. Um, didn't get to sleep, though, because I was just trying to live it all up. I did lie down for like 20 minutes, and uh, that was another cool experience, being able to lie flat in the air. Uh, that's just pure aviation geek heaven, if you will. Other than that, enjoyed it. Would I do it again? No, I'd probably just pay economy for four hours. But hey, you've got to experience it sometimes. And uh, I think it was definitely worth the 250 just to be able to have a really nice four-hour flight to Montreal. Hope you enjoyed listening. Um, I'm not too sure what the next podcast will look like as this sort of concludes the mini series. Maybe I'll do an overall recap documenting the whole, the experience on a whole. Uh, so that could round out the series, mini series, if you will. And then we'd be back to maybe more aviation news. Cause I, I don't know what else there really is for me to do. I've got a couple of stuff written down as notes that could be ideas, but whether I do those next week or the week after sort of remains to be seen. We'll just have to see on that front. Um, but I wanted to thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the flight review, uh, getting a bit of a little more of an experience, if you will, into uh, what's been going on lately, especially at the beginning of this podcast, dealing with all the issues with that copyright claims and counter notifications. It's definitely been an uphill battle to win those, and I'm, I'm not even winning those uh, in, in the slightest. Uh, it's going pretty badly, to say the least, but what can you do? file a court order in a lawsuit i mean it's just yeah it's very messy but thanks for listening if you choose to listen every week massively appreciate it this is your first ever podcast well there's many more i believe we're closing in on 50 uh maybe even over 50 episodes to be fair there might be now almost 60 uh, i've just clicked open and it says there's 57 tracks so we're almost at 60 uh podcast episodes which is pretty good considering um i rebooted it last year uh, and I feel like I've been pretty consistent doing it almost every single week. Uh, finding something to talk about every single week is a challenge in itself, but I'm happy that we've, I've kept it going. Uh, for the small niche of people that do listen, very much appreciate you. Do take care. I will see you next week. Otherwise, do check out the YouTube channel. I'm posting frequently on there as best as I can. Uh, but yes, enjoy your week. Enjoy your weekend if you are listening as it's come out. And I will indeed see you next time. You've been listening to DJ's Aviation Podcast, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, offering up your one-stop shop for all things aviation. We discuss aviation news, airline developments, 
analyze route networks, expansions of airlines and aircraft news. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and leave a review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Twitter and YouTube at DJ's Aviation. If you're interested in rail, check out our second channel at DJ's Transport. Till next time.